Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is episode 102. And uh, to, my guest today is uh, Sarah Bodman. Hi, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming on to the show. I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> This is this is part of what I'm. I have no name for, but I'm calling it. You're, you're a guest in what I'm calling the extra literary thread or the page adjacent thread, because sometimes I talk specifically about a poetry book or something like that. But this year I've been, or and last year I talked to a bunch of small presses about uh, about stuff, and so this year I'm focusing sort of on things that are surrounding the page in a way. And one of the things we're talking a lot about is. Um, the artist book, which is one of the reasons why why you're here, and so I I, I don't know I, I usually start I will start with this, but I will I will say at the beginning that the re I, I'm trying to I've always tried to trace my um sort of um figure out the origin of how I encountered someone, and I think with you um when I started working on Judith, women making visual poetry, yeah. I was introduced to a lot of different. Uh, different people who were working in, in various fields. And I guess I, somehow I managed to hear about your wonderful book arts newsletter. And, and so that's, that's, that's where it all, and we'll talk about that. But so uh, I just want to say that's where I've heard, that's, I think where my origins story with you <laughs> begins. <laughs> A good place to start. <laughs> to start exactly so the first thing the first I, sometimes i used to do is i used to um read out people's bios and then i thought you know people can just google that you know so why do i have to read and take up space <laughs> on the episode which you know i i don't like to do so what what i i ask um our guests to do is it, in a it can be very uncomfortable sometimes for people to do this but you're under no pressure to say anything at all or or to say anything profound and just just the question is what would you like listeners to know about you? Not knowing who these listeners are, exactly, what yeah. they know about you already. So, yeah, <laughs> question. So that's where we'll we'll start with that. That's a very good question, I think, because especially yeah, if you don't know who I am, I'm an artist and researcher. So I work at the Centre for Print Research in Bristol in the UK, um, which is part of the University of the West of England, and my job entails kind of research projects around artist books editorial and reference publications and I'm also the program leader for the MA multidisciplinary printmaking which is all a big lot of tongue twisters <laughs> it, is. it is but it's all very interesting to me I I became um, um well I don't know I've been I haven't known a lot about things like uh, book arts and artist books until I don't know uh, it might have been about a decade ago but in Canada I feel like it's not something that if if people focus on it, they're not they're not telling me about it, or I'm not researching it. So I feel like, but I feel like my connections to people in the UK, where it seems to be a big thing, and also in other places in Europe, and somewhat in the states, but it's really that that's captivated my interest because it kind of mixes 
art with literature and a lot of times with it in really with it really interesting way so it's really exciting to me and it's very tactile and things like that so um that's why i'm kind of uh, well that's how my curiosity started so quite a few of the guests on the show have been talking about artist books so you're not the first uh, i ask a really annoying question to all of them where do you put that damn apostrophe oh, i know exactly where you put the apostrophe okay good <laughs> Um, because I took over from Tanya Pesoto, um publishing the Artist Book Yearbook. And the first edition um, I bought out, I remember being really excited launching it at a book fair. And a very cross French woman came up and gave me a big le lecture in um, where apostrophes should go. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's a singular artist's book, it goes before the S. Perfect. And if it's plural with artist's books, then it goes after the S. Or you can just do what people do in Australia and just say artist books, and then I, there are no I, apostrophes whatsoever. I've been doing that more and more just because I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of having to to think of it. around. That's it. <laughs> so that's that's my nerdy punctuate, or I guess it's a punctuation question. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's a possessive. So that's my nerdy grammar question. Yeah. But hopefully that will be the only grammar question I ask you today. But I hope so. I might not know the others. <laughs> I can't guarantee it. That's good. So, uh, so you're involved in what's called book art. So, what yeah. in your, what what in your view do book arts entail? Well, I'd say pretty much everything. I, mean, I think that's a lovely way of describing it. That kind of crossover between, you know, text and image. There's so many threads that kind of pull out from that, aren't there? Um, and I think you know, Tom Salden and I ran a project ages ago in 2008, 10, where we were looking at kind of that terminology and trying to make it a bit more inclusive to stop people saying well that's not an artist book because it's not fine press or it's not very well made or it's not right it's not letterpress or it's not posh or it's published on demand and that's not real so i think we kind of proposed the term artist publications which i really liked um but then people were saying oh well i only make one-off books so i'm not publishing anything <laughs> so kind of because is that kind of more generous umbrella i think that all of that activity sits under so that could be fine press it could be some of the things you've talked about this kind of like you know really beautiful kind of finely printed poetic books that have got an image or are made in a particular way with a particular kind of paper or contain elements of older things or could be sculptural works could be fine press it could be altered books zines it's all in there in some capacity performance you know i think if the artist says that great quote if the artist says it's a book then it is um so i'd say i'd rather yeah i'd rather be generous with that term and if people are saying you know i'm, I'm within this field then i would say you know come on in let's have a chat <laughs> That's right. And that's great. And that's very welcoming. And I agree with that, especially because uh, why would you want to exclude things? It's much more like from a point of view of exploration, it's much more fascinating and sort of generative to include. And then that way you can get a really broad idea of what something is and what maybe also what it's not, but like you, it helps yeah. it helps with plus welcoming. It's always, always more interesting to be welcoming and in my opinion, I've been making these little. Um, I I would I've been talking about this incessantly since it happened. Uh, I had Christine McNair, a, a local writer, but also a book doctor on the show. Uh, just uh, I guess the not the last episode, but the one before episode one hundred, 
and and she had given uh, she and another woman Tiffany Ang Moore had given a, a local they they are part of the Canadian Bookbinders Association and they gave a great um, workshop on chapbook binding that I attended and oh, like really I've never done it before and I was because I've always felt too klutzy and sort of bad with my hands but I also love the idea of them and I love it when presses do that so now I'm making all these little one-off booklets you know like with neon orange uh, wax (laughs) that I got from Amazon and it's so much fun and I'm I'm like painting them and doing all these things and uh, I've never been particularly good with a stapler but apparently I'm better with thread and a needle so (laughs) talking but uh true so yeah i the thing i like about the concept of of an artist book is that um it does include everyone and anyone can do this no matter what they have as far as equipment or um access to it doesn't have to be a printed thing no so, not at all yeah draw it collage it yeah yeah so it's exciting. Like if if I had chil- if I had children or at this point grandchildren, I would be I would be talking to them about making I would be making books with them. I think at an early yeah. age, you know, I think that would be terrific. I remember the first time um I went to the Minnesota Center for Book Arts, I was absolutely blown away because they had a class in there for babies. Wow. And I was Maybe like, you That's so cool. <laughs> get them in there young. They would do like, you know, fuzzy felt and lots of painting, yeah. but they were still making books. It was so cool. I did fuzzy felt when I was a kid. I was making books already. Too. I love the fuzzy felt. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So what? how did you get into making and working on artist books? Well, making, when I was at college, I suppose, when I was doing my BA degree, um, I just love books, always have loved reading. Um, it quite often rained where I studied, so I was always in the library. And I think someone had put this book back in the wrong place. Ah. You know, when something's just kind of put, you know, you can just kind of see something poking out on the shelf and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And it was a copy of Susan Hiller's Sisters of Menon. Right. And I was just like, what is this? I have no idea what this is, but I know I want some of it. Um, and I've been making, I've been doing paintings, but I've been like writing painting, for want of a better word, um, thinking I really want to incorporate text in things and it just kind of gradually emerged into finding out more about artist books and then realizing wow you know this is huge there's all this stuff going on um much more known in the states than it was in the uk Hmm. and that's kind of how i got into working on artist books i suppose because i just i really i was greedy i wanted to find out more yeah So somehow I ended up building myself a job working with a thing I love. What's not to like? (laughs) That's really great. You know, you're the second guest in my memory, my my very limited memory, which is going getting worse and worse as I as I grow older. But um, the second guest who has mentioned the serendipity of discovering a book in the library and having that affect their direction of 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 yeah. their vocation and work it was joanna drucker who was talking about the alpha her book on the alphabet and she yeah she had discovered this beautiful rare book on on an alphabet uh, script and it was just like so that's it so th- there is the magic of the library do never never it, always go to the library if you always can. go to the library it is the place to be <laughs> it may determine your destiny even maybe yeah. exactly <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I can see why you would. But did you already have some of these skills when you started to make, I guess yep. you were doing your, I mean, to me, like, it's it's a little bit, um, 
like it's all the possibilities of how to make a book are um are fascinating to me but also a little intimidating like if i wanted yes. to get like, like a some kind of signatures or so i would that would be beyond um, me you know? <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i i, I was doing painting and printmaking but i wasn't doing any kind of book making so it's very much kind of diy um to teach yourself <laughs> what you can with what you can very simple <laughs> simple structures concertina's good that's right and also the one where you what is that one called where you just take one piece of paper and you just you just fold it into and, and yeah. put a whole, uh, cut it and then that that one's four, very, four times cut it catching you've got your yeah. book that's very exciting actually <laughs> that's good but did you did you find yourself then um associating with a community of people who were working on artists as, as i went along um i mean really that's one i kind of put put the network together that I want now is that there just wasn't that kind of information out there. I think um, there were lots of people doing things in different areas, but it was really hard to find out who was doing what, you know, what was available. You know, now I know that there are collections of artist books in pretty much every art college or university around the world, probably. But at the time you're like, where, where do you see these things? What are they? You know? Um, so I think, that community is out there and it's massive, but it's just kind of taking those first little steps for people to find out how you get into it, which I think, you know, is kind of part of my job to help people find that. Um, yeah, it took time. I suppose I was lucky because I was in touch with people like Tanya Pesoto and John Bentley and Stefan Saltskin, who'd kind of built this, done this research about kind of what was going on in the UK. Mm. So, and then Tanya wanted to set up Bookhart Bookshop in London. Right. I've heard so, of that. Yeah. It's like the mecca for artist books in London. It's amazing. So yeah. she was like, well, I can't do that and carry on editing the yearbook because, you know, it's an unfunded publication. So I can't remember exactly how, but somehow I ended up taking it over. And yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> that's right I, you, you've mentioned i i've i've done a little bit of research but uh you know i don't expect our listeners to prepare ahead of time so you've mentioned the yearbook a couple of times can you explain about the yearbook what it is yeah. it's um well it's grown a bit it's basically it's kind of like a encyclopedia of what's happened over the last two years so although it's called the yearbook it's biennial um what we do is I put a call out for people. So if you're an artist or maker, you can list up to three books that you've made with images. So we have this kind of list in the back of all the things that have been made, which is like a lovely survey of activity. And then I get people to write essays. And then anyone who's doing anything to do with artist books can send in listings info. So this is all free to send in and be published. So it could be if you've got a collection, if you run workshops, if you um do classes if you have gallery or editioning studio or publishing so anything at all or where to go and print your book or make your book or sew your book up or sell materials to make books wow all of that can go in so it's a kind of big compendium of what's going on at the time and and when did that start how long have you been doing that um i took it over in 2001 yeah. but, um I was just like, oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> I bet. 
it's like someone giving you their baby and you're like, I don't really know how to hold it, but I'm not going <laughs> to drop it. Um, but it was a stub. I think the first one came out in 1993, I think, or 94. Wow. So it's been around quite a long time. Well, and it, so it's a physical book. Is it also it's a physical, physical book? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> is there also digital copies of it or is it strictly? Um, well, I haven't ever done it digitally. Okay. Selfishly. <laughs> asking the ask away. Um, there are some, the ones that were out of print, I put up as digital, but so they can be downloaded as, as PDFs. But sometimes I think because I was using programs that don't exist anymore in the beginning, those files didn't really transfer over. So the more recent ones I can, that so people can download a copy once oh. it's out of print. But basically all that info goes in and then if people buy it and it's not massively expensive, then all that money goes to pay for the next one to get printed. Yeah. That's great. It sounds fantastic. It sounds like something that would be fun to just even go through and read, which is uh, like like the Book Arts new newsletter, which we'll talk about in a while. <laughs> I'm 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 building the suspense. You see, I'm I'm mentioning it, and then we'll. <laughs> so I I went through um the um your uh page uh, on the uh, book arts, uh site, and I found that your first artist book that they've got on the site is Mastavalia Mastavalia from yeah. 1994, and uh, Mastavalia was created as a play on the claims of beauty product manufacturers. The book is a mock catalog of advertisements featuring poisonous or carnivorous plants, which look and sound attractive, but ultimately provide an assault on the senses. And I loved it. The images and colors uh, used reflect the pastels and rich colors of the original products with the clues hidden within the text, which is just fantastic. I love the playfulness of this idea and its critique of the beauty industry. What 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 sparked this? Uh, this math? Um, I have to say it again. Mastavalia. Mastavalia. I just thought it was such a lovely... It was the name of one of the plants. I thought it was a lovely name. Um, yeah. I think I was trying to think about that. But actually, you know what? I think even at the time, and I didn't realise that everything I make is kind of from a feminist perspective. So particularly like the books I make myself as an individual are always kind of looking at the point of view as a woman and also kind of human interaction with nature. So I thought, in my opinion, it was quite funny that you could have these plants that look so beautiful but potentially poison you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or eat you if you were a fly in the wrong place. Um, and I think that to me, you know, that that was the kind of the first one and it was very much kind of trying to see, you know, could you make stuff look really attractive that people could look at on a kind of surface level but then actually if you delve a little deeper, there's a bit more behind it. So it's kind of it's looking at what's behind, not being so judgy about what you're looking at, actually finding out what is behind that. Very cool. I I, I don't I didn't write down the description of um, the materials and stuff, or if there were, I can't remember. Do you can you do you remember what uh, the yeah, materials? Yeah, it was all screen printed. Um, in fact, it was using the new water-based screen print inks that we had at the college. Um, and then I got found this kind of lovely metallic board uh, which I think I got from the scrap store <laughs> um, okay. only, only the best place to shop and I thought <laughs> that was great because actually when you pick the book up it kind of it's like a little mirror so you see your face in it wow 
It's that's perfect. It sounds like that. That sounds like great fun. There's um in in Toronto. I'm not in. I'm in Ottawa, not Toronto, which is like a four hour uh, trip to Toronto. Coach House Books, which is a, a publisher, a small press publisher of of some renown, and uh, it's been around for a long time. They have a print shop, and in the in the back uh, outside, they have their recycling bins. And it's uh, it's I don't know if people still do it, but um, I know um, a lot of times going to Toronto and going through those bins and getting their paper because they have gorgeous. This gorgeous <laughs> You've been there. I'd already be in the bin. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we. That's it. So this is, and then you can make. I mean, they had. It, I don't know if, if that's still the case because I think everyone knows about it now. But I mean, I remember when I found out about this, it felt like this cool secret. And you go down this little lane, which is BP Nickel Lane. So it's like you're already you're already Bye. walking through this history of. Um, uh, and yeah, and their little their their um, space is really uh, quite neat, too. So the whole trip is like a pilgrimage for uh, for book nerds and also for uh, book arts nerds. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> it is. Yeah. A little, a tiny bit of heaven. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> there needs to be more of those, though, in my opinion, like places to sneak to and and get paper from and other yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. So going from going from then until not quite twenty years later, but the most recent book, which I happen to have a copy of, thanks to you, which is really oh, yeah. read to me, which is part of the Read with Me project, and it's really beautiful. And can you can you tell us about this? Uh -huh. Read with me project and then talk about the books as well. Blame me. How long have you got? <laughs> we have as long as we feel like, really. <laughs> I've also I also will share the video that you made um, that's on YouTube where you talk about read read to me as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I won't I won't go into the entire history of it then, so people can watch that instead. But um, that that took a really long time to kind of formulate, and I think that's the way I work. As an artist, I think I can think about stuff and like keep it in my head for a long time. And then as soon as I've got time, I'm like diving in, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, but I was so lucky in, I think it was 2003 when I got a residency at Visual Studies Workshop in Rochester, which was amazing. Wow. And that was to make a book there as part of their residency series. But they had a beautiful library upstairs, beautiful archive where you could go and sit at the table. And it was really old fashioned. So it's like in this old mansion building and someone someone talked about the Fox sisters and I was like, who are they? Um, and they were these kind of spiritualist um, performance, I suppose performance artists almost. Um, you know, they were really young when they started. They were only teenagers, um, but they kind of, they launched their careers as spirit mediums actually in Rochester um so i was like oh my goodness you know in 1849 these women were well young women were on stage kind of wowing people with their spirit wrappings and the whole place i was staying was so spooky as well that it all just kind of stayed with me for a while and i, I was just kind of i don't know what i'm going to do with it but i really want to do something with it right um and then thinking back actually to tanya setting up Bacot bookshop she introduced me to kurt johannesson's work who is an amazing artist, very performative. So a lot of his work is about telling you stories. You know, he did a beautiful book where he went around um, an island and picked, chose stones, who pick a stone up and tell each one a story about trolls. Oh. <laughs> and it's that kind of thing, that interaction between objects and 
stories and narratives and I was thinking well something I want to do something along those lines um and I I just yeah it was all again back to Susan Hiller you know she she had that project called draw together where she tried to um project images from her mind for her friends or you know women artist friends around the world to draw but said at the same time she was receiving messages and that's what created that book sisters of men in the one i found in the library wow so this all you know percolated <laughs> and i was sitting and sitting you know for ages thinking i know i kind of it's almost but it's not quite there and some friends of ours came over from the netherlands and I was saying, oh, you know, I'd really like to find someone I could work with who could perhaps read stuff for me, like a psychometric reader. That's not easy to find. Uh, yeah, I, I never heard the term until you until I read about yeah. it. So that's someone who can, you know, hold an object or a photograph and tell you a bit about the person in the photo or something about the object. And my friend was like, oh, yeah, I've got a friend who does that. <laughs> I was like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, so we decided that we would collaborate together. So she she was really good, um, amazing. I really wanted someone who who would kind of do it properly with me as a kind of experiment. I wasn't expecting anything, right. but equally, I didn't I didn't want to be I didn't want to be disrespectful to somebody who thought that's their career or job or belief. So to me, it was kind of work. It would work either way, no matter what happened. Mm. So. <laughs> I chose 10 objects for the first book and I read each of them a little story or a chapter from <laughs> that I thought they might like. <laughs> were they troll stories or something else? <laughs> no, they were random stories. Um, so, yeah, so to a couple, I read a short story about, um, there was a China couple, about a, a China couple, that kind of thing. Um, and there was a really awful spooky photograph I found in a frame of a house up on the moors so I read that a little bit of Wuthering Heights yeah that makes sense <laughs> um so they I packaged them up I didn't touch them because obviously you don't want to touch anything if you're going to be yeah um so they all fitted in a little shoebox my friend took them back to Holland um the reader read them and made us she's so good she made a series of pencil notes so i had like a little couple of paragraphs at least on each object wow so the book was the a picture of the object the reading and then underneath the story that i'd read so people could kind of make those own associations for themselves that was fun that was really good fun i bet <laughs> And I made that in 2018 at the London Centre for Book Art. So I had a residency there and produced the book. It was like, boom, four days, had loads of help from Simon, Ira, George, people in the studio. So it's kind of team effort, 100 books, four days, in the suitcase, back home. Um, that was amazing, amazing experience. And then I did a little tour afterwards. It went off in an exhibition in a shoebox so you could, had a little tour of the book with the objects. Wow. <laughs> it sounds so whimsical and delightful. Like, and it's, again, I keep using that word generative, but it just, it feels like the, the insp ins very inspiring for anyone who, who 
not even was just who even witnessed who got to see the exhibition and and checked out the books and i of course have the have the book read with me and the first thing i did when i opened it was i i had to google the names of the the three oh, yeah. mentioned with the spirit is everywhere poem and pudiator alice parker and martha yeah. corey so can you tell us who who they were well I'll, I'll tell you about them later because i think that will fit into another question actually. oh good all right um, so <laughs> Otherwise, we'll give it all away at the beginning. Um, We're trying to uh, tease the audience <laughs> listening to us, yes. Well, actually, there's more. So the copy you've got is the second part of the project. Yeah. Um, so I was very naughty. And in November 2019, I did an experiment in the bookshop at Onofini in town where I asked people. <laughs> it was on the same day that the same date on the 14th of November that the Fox sisters did their first performance. Oh. However many years in number Wangler is in the future. Um, so I invited people along and I said, I'm going to project an image from my head and I want <laughs> you to try and draw it. And for anyone who wasn't there, I gave it time to travel. So if people were abroad, they could receive it later on and then they could do a drawing and scan it and email it to me. So I thought that was quite nice to kind of involve other people. I can't remember how many, um, I think I had about 56 or 57 drawings that people did. So just A4 piece of paper, you draw what you think it is I'm projecting. So I had an exhibition of those wow. at the college, but what I didn't tell people was that I then sent those back to the psychometric reader. So she read all of them again. And I just said that there's a lot of stuff. So just give me a few words from each. You don't have to give me like the massive essay you did last time. <laughs> so a, a line or two on each one would be perfect. So just as she started doing that, boom, lockdown. So, oh. um, so that put the project on hold in the sense that we couldn't do anything physically, but we could still post things. So... She got on and did those. I started making collages to kind of amuse myself in lockdown using elements of the kind of things that I was picking up. So she had to, she sent me the words and then I made collages in response to those words. And then I did the kind of William Burroughs, David Bowie cut up. Right. And made that kind of messagey text, which I think hopefully is open enough for people to take whatever they want from but i think generally it's a very positive message yeah yeah well you you, you say in the video it, it's about you're thinking about the concept of transmission and also yeah. about network network like the sisterhood and sort of yeah. and those, yeah. those connections became very important during the lockdown because we were so isolated that yeah. Any, any kind of connection with anyone was just so important. So yeah, I could see. So back to, back to these three women that we um, <laughs> that we have here, Alice and um, Anne and Martha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, well, they they were just a few of the people over time who've been accused of being witches. Yeah. Um. So Salem, very horrible thing and that's that what's why I was saying like I'm not going to tell you too much because 
you know you were saying before like if you could make any book you really wanted to yeah that will be the book I did a book when I was in Australia it worked with Tim Maisley amazing pulp printer and artist and it was it was called um Against Nature and that was a kind of apology for the <clears throat> women who were hanged as witches at that time but I just thought you know I think something bigger and better there's so many women throughout history who've been kind of you know burnt as witches hanged as witches yeah. all of that's kind of the patriarchy saying you may not have independent thought you may not own land or property you may not have an opinion you may not contradict me mm -hmm. it's all about power um so i think if i could make the book i really wanted to i'd make a massive not massive like in scale but a massively beautiful engaging you couldn't bear to not open it book because it's so beautiful mm. and when you do it will be full of wonder and massive vengeance <laughs> massive vengeance <laughs> if you're a bad person <laughs> but if you're a good person if you're a book nerd and, and if you're a book nerd and a good person you can and be a, part of the system and a feminist then you can <laughs> then you come on in <laughs> <laughs> then you magically transform into having these powers of making books and spreading. Yes, you would. You'd be able it. to add up and so. <laughs> All these things. So especially the adding up part. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> that would be great. You'd be able to add up so and be able to structure a book properly so it didn't fall apart. So you would gain all of those magical powers. But if you were a bad person who persecuted women, then, yeah, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. For some reason, I, I can't remember the name of, of her books, but um, this uh, German author wrote these series of books for kids and they were they they involved this sort of book arts thing, too. It was um, Cornelia Funke, I think is her name. And anyway, it, it, that, it has the word ink in the in the title. So listeners, oh, no, if, if you're listening to this, please. She came to Ottawa to the Writers Festival and she's the most one of the most interesting oh, nice. uh, writers. And, and her books have, were, have all been translated. I think they're, I don't know, I think there may be more than three in the series, but it has the word ink in it. But anyway, yeah. The, the, it has, I will look those up. Ma making books and characters. Like a good um, book recommendation. <laughs> you know, I know book, book recommendations for it. Yeah, and anything to do with making books, especially like you don't you don't have that. You don't. Where's the film on the on the on the maker of artist books? Like there well, should, there should there be. Are plenty of movies out there, but if uh, frankly, if it doesn't sink in, then it's not happening, is it? <laughs> yeah. There is. I include myself in that equation. <laughs> Who's the Anne Goldsworthy of, of artist books, you know, who can make <laughs> So what are some of the things you've learned through making artist books over the years? Um, that I have absolutely no bookbinding skills. Hey, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that very early on. I'm so rubbish with maths. I can, I can look at stuff and put it together visually, but I can't. You know, like, oh, if you subtract that to add the mod in, that bit's fine. But as soon as you start sewing anything, you know, forget it. And I ruined so many just trying to get to that point that I actually realised that, you know, actually people have different skill sets. Yeah. As an artist, it is okay to say, I've printed all of this and cut it up. Could you sew this together for me and put it in a hard binding? Great. Um, you know, that's why quite a few of my 
bookworks have been in boxes because <laughs> we don't have to bind them together. That's right. A box is a great is a great way to. But even then, boxes. boxes, you still have to like. Either you have to. I mean, you're not making the box. Are you making boxes, or are you are you just buying the box? I wasn't making the box, but then having said that, I was painting the insides of them and wallpapering the outside and then printing on the top. So that takes um, some skill with the hands. And that, that was. <laughs> That was when I had more time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've learned about thinking things through. That's important to me, like how it might take a long time to think things through and how you're going to do them. But actually, I think that makes them much stronger in the end. Um, but, you know, I don't have those book book making skills in the sense of, you know, there are some people who can just, you know, look at a piece of paper and it, folds itself together and is amazingly beautiful. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of artists like Trisha Treacy or, you know, all those amazing um, pamphlet books that Sarah Nichols makes, the phone washing, sorry, brainwashing from phone towers books. Wow, that sounds great. They're really cool. They're so cool. She's massively skilled, letterpress, relief print, and she makes these absolutely gorgeous editions and then they're really interesting as well you know they're discussing stuff like the environment um you know what for example what would happen if we wiped all debt off but mm -hmm. they're, they're so engaging you're like oh yeah I'd look at that but the skills base that you know she's got is just insane um so yeah I'm very envious of people who can do that <laughs> I'm yeah. not one of them. <laughs> me too I've decided to embrace my flaws and just make it like, yes. it's really funny. It's, it's really funny. It's like, I like to draw and I know I have no skill or talent. Oh, I haven't. And anytime I've tried to take a drawing class, it's just been an abysmal failure. Like, you know, I can't even do the first thing that they've asked for and I can't even figure out how they're doing um, it. So, yeah. And I think, you know, I can't draw. I can't <laughs> draw, but I, I don't know. I was reading something the other day. I think it was some, it was an educator who said they were it, they were really sad that by the amount of people who were like oh I can't draw so I'm not going to do it yeah that's because a problem. I get it right yeah whereas I would say you know if you don't if you can't do it just do some automatic drawing <laughs> you won't or, get that wrong <laughs> in, in my case what I do is I do it anyway and I'm yeah. okay with the fact that it's not it's not even close to anything that anyone who yeah, but it's your experience of it and your you know your drawing of the kind of spirit of that thing just, no one else is going to be able to do that so you know put probably many people aren't they who could do a perfect replica of it that means nothing yeah. whereas i think you know you're actually putting your whole experience into that drawing so i think it would be better than making it look like what it is there you go and, and what happens is what years ago in my office uh, someone had liked some doodle that I'd done and they put it on the 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 office fridge in the kitchen and someone while I was in the kitchen getting coffee and someone says oh whose whose kid did this and it's like <laughs> oh damn it <laughs> but uh, so yeah I I, I, I have an outgrown sort of childlike um the way I can't draw hands for instance and all the hands are like in pockets I always give women pockets like you know because that we don't have brain, everyone should and have we don't pockets. have and women don't have pockets. Like, we're not allowed to have pockets. So I always but that's a feminist pockets. thing too, isn't it? Because yeah, why exactly. can't we have pockets? <laughs> if we did, we'd have weapons that we would draw. You know? <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> yes, that's it. Or or poison to use. Poison, or... poison couple, couple of shivs. 
there's this great, I, I, there's a, a woman named Rhiannon um, um, Skylark, and she has this song about pockets and about how women don't have pockets. I should, it's just it's hilarious. It's just, it's That's, just, I'd like to hear that, actually. Yeah. I'll have to try and dig it up and put it, I'll put it in the links in the show notes. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, my next question is, is about uh, videos, but it starts with the idea of the World Book Night. And, and first of all, because we don't have this um, in Canada that I know of, I and mean, we have a lot of things, but I don't think we have World Book Night. And I a lot of a lot of the work that you've done surrounds World. Can you talk about World Book Night? And then maybe you can talk about uh, what you did this year for World Book Night because I was just reading that on on the on the site, so I found it really interesting. Well, um, yeah, World Book Night I <laughs> happened by mistake, as most things do. Um, so ages and ages ago, I think it's about thirteen years ago, there was a a project called Poetry Beyond Text at the University of Dundee, and they commissioned artists and writers to work together so that just kind of thinking about the different ways that artists could use text or image or writers could use text or image together. Yeah. So I asked if I could be matched with Nancy Campbell because she's amazing. Um, and we both knew from the start that we, you know, we would work well together. Um, and we both absolutely loved The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. yeah sure. um, so we were like, let's make a book about that. And the next thing we know, I'm cooking every <laughs> every piece of food from the book, as you do. Um, <laughs> and then we invited people around for dinner. And I photographed the setting. So I photographed Ripley's setting at the table. And Nancy was listening to people's conversations. And she kind of collaged some of those into material to write some poems. So that that became a book that we did. And we just, you know, I think Nancy Nancy would say the posher version of the experience in that it was enriching, where I just say we had such a great time. That's it, um, yeah. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> and we were like, let's do it again. Let's do it next year. So the next year we did the toast one, and that, that was for the Douglas Copeland novel The Gun Thief, yeah. which I thought would be brilliant because the idea is that this couple invite people around for dinner, but they've got no food in the house and they make everyone order their own. They order a Chinese takeout and then they make everyone pay for it. So I was like, brilliant, no cooking for me. Um, and so that's when the video started coming in because yeah. we had people, we threw it open to a few friends and there were people there who were musicians and writers rather than artists. So it's kind of how can we include all these other people in the kind of output, the making and output of the process rather than making it about ourselves. And that's kind of how it grew um, into kind of a bigger thing. And then we, we were like, oh, there's a thing called World Book Night. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, and it took me about five years to work out that it's always the same date. <laughs> <laughs> 23rd of April. It's like um, Shakespeare's birthday. Oh, oh, yeah, what date will it be next year? Oh, it's the 23rd of April what again. What a coincidence. Does it have to do with the moon? <laughs> like Easter? You know how you can never figure out when Easter is? Because it's... It well, exactly. On... That Easter moves around, doesn't it? Yeah, so, like, why not World Book Night? <laughs> why not? Um, so it's just kind of grown. It's kind of grown. First of all, it was like a few, a few artists and writers working together. And then we try and, you know... But, well, why don't we just open it up to everyone? Why not? What could what could go wrong, really? Um, so, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> You're clearly not a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So it's just kind of grown over the years. I think, you know, the last couple of years, we've had over 100 people. The first couple of times, it was kind of 13 people, then 20-something, then 40-something, then on. I'm, we're going to smash the record next year, though, I'm sure. Um, so then, you know, it's kind of became a project where people could join in. The videos became a kind of thing where, you know, people sending stuff from all over the world, they couldn't necessarily come and see an exhibition. Yeah. So if we made a little video, that's something you can watch. Um, and then we've, you know, we've started having exhibitions at the library at college, so anyone can come and see them within reason, because obviously you're not going to jump on a plane from Nepal and bop over to see an exhibition and then go home again. So that's why the videos exist as well as the music, I think. Um, and then, yeah, I've had different students who worked on the project with me. So Crystal Chenichan did it in 2018 and then 2019, I think. Excuse the numbers if they're wrong. Um, Linda Parr, who's one of our graduates, had been involved and offered to help. And that just kind of seemed into Linda and I being kind of like co-organisers, co-curators. <laughs> so, for example, the last one this year, which is on show at the moment, um, was inspired by George Perrick. So Linda did this lovely project called Postcards for Perrick, where she asked artists to make to make the visual version of the text postcards he'd sent. So that's a lovely touring exhibition that's going on. It's going to be in, in Australia in July, I think, yeah. So we nominated George Perrick because he um, he was influenced by um, Jay Brainard. So the idea of I remember, you remember, what do you remember throughout life? <laughs> and we called it We Remember and asked people to share a memory that other people could relate to. So it's quite specific. It couldn't just be I remember, you know, when I bought that amazing dress or something. It had to be something that other people could say I relate to that experience. So the idea is it's a collective sharing of memories. And because we had a bit of money, we commissioned um, Siley Gore, a writer from Berlin. Oh, yes. Yeah, I published and, Oh, she's so cool. Um, and Lulia Akhmavida, who's a Russian-Mexican artist. Mm. Um, so between they worked between them to make this beautiful little keepsake. Mm. So the idea now with the World Book Night Project is whatever we... If you send us something, we'll send you something back. We don't know what it is. Sometimes it's a postcard, printed postcard or a little booklet or something. So, But it's just an acknowledgement of your participation nice. in the project. So that's what we did this year, which was really lovely. Yes. I love how collaborative the, these projects are. There's really a gathering, a community gathering aspect to a lot of your practice, actually, which yeah. really interests me. I find that I find that fascinating. I, 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 I wish things like that were not in April because April is National Poetry Month and I'm always busy with uh, with that. Yeah, and I get can't early. Get do early. <laughs> we'll put, tell me, we tell put me next out. year in like January or something. <laughs> yeah, no, we do. We announce the call in December. Oh, great. Even better. So people can send stuff in advance. We usually say, can we have it by the beginning of March? because then that gives us time to see how much stuff's come in um, and, and kind of how we're going to display it, what we're going to do with it. So, yeah, we will announce the call for the next one fairly soon. Ooh, uh, yeah, so I can give you the heads up that it will involve birds. 
bird. Well, I, I'm all about the birds. You know, I used to be a, a, a person who, whenever I read uh, poets writing about birds, I used to scoff at it. And I don't know what it is, something about the age I'm in or something, or I don't know if it has anything to do with age. But for one of the things that in my neighborhood, and I live on the 19th floor, increasingly ravens seem to be around. Oh, yeah. And I live in a downtown neighborhood. So this is, I, yeah. I love the raven, but at the same time, it feels a little weird. <laughs> You're like, what are you up to? <laughs> what is going on with you? And why are you? Yeah. I, I even encountered one. I was walking down the street and I saw this giant black shape and heard this sound. I thought, oh, and it was a, a giant, like it was a very big bird. Ravens can be quite big. And it was in yeah, this yeah. planter. I guess it had an injured leg and they, they'd called the oh. bird. Uh, wild bird care rescue but apparently the bird didn't want to leave because um the um it was getting fed by all the neighbors and stuff and they called it pogo because of its leg the issues and but it just it just sort of sat there and basically talked to me and i'm like okay yeah. okay if i take your photograph like i asked for permission, <laughs> you know, i was like well it's it was so human feeling to me anyway i feel yeah. i always feel like i have to ask for permission for that too i I talk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have a student who's just starting her PhD. Who's um, looking at kind of um, poetry, you know, in relation to the environment and that kind of existential angst that people have at the moment of yeah. that kind of powerlessness against what the hell can we do? Yeah, what we should have done for a long yeah. time. Well, exactly, but <laughs> you know that whole kind of feeling of whatever you do, it's not enough, or you as an individual can't contribute enough to make change. Um, so she's actually kind of involving objects and vertebrate, invertebrate, um, you know, things that live on the seashore as well, and potentially asking their permission if they would like to be part of her project. Hmm. I think, you know, that with the bird thing as well, that's kind of, we can ask people to kind of, we did a similar one before with the herbarium in lockdown because they're just like, we can't. You know, everyone's just having such a rubbish time. It'd be really nice to just do something joyous. Yes, exactly. Get people to make a flower. We'll exhibit them all. Then everyone exchanges them. So everyone gets a flower back by somebody else. So Lovely. Then it'd be along those lines because we haven't quite formulated it yet. So we're going to ask people to respond to, <clears throat> I said kind of wild birds, because I don't really approve of caged birds. So, you know, but then we don't want to exclude any birds. So um, to yes. make something in response to so that could be text, image, visual poetry, 2D, 3D, I think, not sure yet. So get your thinking caps on people. Yeah, and then yeah. This is your teaser. Yeah, send, send something to us and then you'll get something back at the end. But we're gonna do it like we did with the herbarium to make a collective bibliography. So if people are interested in birds, you nominate a text or a poem or a book that people will go and read or could read. Sounds great. This reminds me a little, uh, there's, a, I don't know if you know the, uh, another um, British artist, uh, writer, Nic Nicola Winborn, and uh, she does this um, uh, collaborative zine called Attic Zine. And I only, it's only, I think it's only on Facebook that she does, but she invites and it's it's the international. I I I can't remember exactly, but it's basically um, it's an international zine of color. So what it is is every every time she picks a different color, 
and asked artists to respond mm -hmm. to that color. And she invites 20, pe 20 people. And then each one gets a copy of the zine. So nice, she, yeah. individual sheets, they have to be a spit, like five by seven inches or yeah. something. I can't remember. I don't have the metric. can't remember what the metric is for that. We're weird in Canada. We kind of use both the imperial and metric system combined somehow. But uh, yeah, and it's a really great project. I've been involved. I think I've been involved in three different colors and I love color. So it was a really exciting and, and it's like handmade, like hand drawn or, or stamped, especially a lot of stamps. She really likes stamps and things like yeah. that. Love it's, the stamps. Yeah, fun <laughs> project. And uh, I draw my, my weird... Uh, I did for blue. I actually did uh, the wild birds of upper wild blue birds of upper Zygonia because uh, and you know you've already done yours then, haven't you? I've already done mine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. Now, we've we've talked about if you could make any artist book, and we've, already, we've talked about describing your dream book. So that that would be my dream book: the apology for all the to all the witches. That's it. I like that an apology of witches. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now I think it's time to talk about the book arts mm. newsletter. So we have we have we have you know raised the anticipation to a high level. So now I think it's time to talk about the book arts newsletter, how it came about, what it is, and uh, and um, it's just it's magnificent actually is what it is. But uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it just it it again it grew out of a tiny tiny thing. Um, I was working with the library staff. They've got a collection. They would. You know, as many this happens in many library collections within universities or anywhere, where they have a collection of artist books that started in the seventies. Maybe the person responsible for that collection retired, and maybe someone else didn't carry that on. Um, so there's usually like little gaps in time. Um, so I was working with the library staff to try and fill some of those gaps, and we were just talking about different things we could do, kind of you know, get activities in the library. So said, well, why don't we have some exhibitions of artists? And it started off with local artists, then it grew into national. Now it grew into international. Um, <laughs> so I said, oh, I can make a little news sheet or something. It was just literally one piece of A4 paper, I think. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> Photocopied and sent out to people, as you do. Um, and then it just got massive. It just grew and grew. And then more people were having exhibitions. And then people were like, oh, I'm having this event I, I don't know where can I advertise it and I was like oh you can put it in the newsletter and that's kind of now it has sections <laughs> I know I know it's <laughs> and then it got too big to print <laughs> yeah um so I have the one from uh, I have the one from I, I printed out the one from um March to mid-April number 152 and yeah. are, what is it it's like there's I think there's like 50 pages to it, 55 yeah. pages to it or something. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Like just um, just reading through it is good. And it doesn't just include descriptions. Uh, like it doesn't just include a listing. It's like there's a whole description of like just reading. Um, um, I have where am I? I just want to read out maybe a little bit to see if I can find. Um, I think it's the one on one of the ones on offset printing that I was really fascinated by. They talked about. Yeah. So it's offset curated by Claude Plosky, Le Centre des Livres oh, de CDLA uh, in, in France. And um, so just read it. The Offset exhibition offers a journey through the editions gathered at the, the CDLA. Its title refers to a printing technique widely used for publication and marks the desire to break out of the established order, to put forward centered points of view, to be outside the set. And it goes on and talks about publishing is an artistic laboratory for experimentation and exchange with the public. 
And it's just like, wow, just like this Such is the good, thing yeah. that inspires me, right? And there's all sorts of things. And there are things like um one artist who's going to be has work at the Portland airport says, um oh, yeah, if, yeah. If you um if you take if a you photo, tag me on Instagram and here's my Instagram. It's just <laughs> such a community space. Like it, it's 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 really um, a beautiful, inspiring, like it it, it it's sort of like in the time where things feel fairly hopeless in a lot of ways about the world, it's a it's evidence that creativity still exists, that community yes, still exists. Prevail. We can it's prevail. Good. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I really enjoy putting it together as well because, um, you know, you kind of find out little pockets of what's going on in different places, and um, you know, it's it's. People are like, oh, is it okay if I put this in? Like, of course it's okay if you put it in. That's what it's here for. Um, <laughs> you know, there's um, Chino Crafts in Nepal who have a, they have a little advert in every issue because they're just like, well, we have artisans, you know, in the mountains who are making these lovely book binding things and they're making little tools and accessories. We have no idea how to reach people. <laughs> so it's like, well... <laughs> send us some pics and um yeah so we do a little i do a little thing for them each time um yeah it's good fun though because i think you know it it allows me to find out more about what's going on which is exactly why i invented it because i want to find out everything <laughs> yeah no i i hear you we do the same thing i run um i run byrich.ca which is a local literary um uh, online magazine but also it has a calendar of events and i'm i put in the events like literary spoken word storytelling and non-fiction events and I put them in I find them every day I usually have to go and find sometimes people send them to you but mostly I have to go and find them through Facebook or wherever else I happen to see a poster on the street it doesn't matter like I'll <laughs> I'll include if it's it's relevant to that if it's 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 in the national capital region of, of Ottawa Gatineau I will I will put it in and uh and I and then I tweet it out or I send it out through Facebook or now Substack and things like that so it's it's um yeah, and then I know, like people will sometimes people will approach me on the street and say, "What's going on today, Amanda?" And I have yeah. like a list of like I'm like that movie phone, you know, you call it the movie, yeah. the movies, press one. <laughs> press one for literary events, you know. So that's a, yeah. So I get I get that idea of it helps you to know what's going on. But the, I mean, this is massive, and like they they come out how often? Um, well, thankfully now they've got bigger. I've kind of made. I don't know if anyone really noticed, but um, it used to come out pretty much every month and then I just thought it's it's so yeah. big I don't actually have the time to do that so it comes out six times a year six to eight times a year I can't do maths no um, I... there are points where it comes out like now the kind of busy teaching times over the summer where I split it so it goes a bit longer so I have more time with the students and right. then you know there's times in November or in it's a short one because I know people will be announcing a lot more between December and January so that one becomes a kind of double issue and then that means omnibus <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, you know so the the dates it comes out might look really random but they're actually planned around other activities that go on in the background to make it a bit smoother <laughs> great That's so we'll, anyway. we'll include the link and people can subscribe i subscribe to it so i get it but uh, sometimes i read them sometimes i don't sometimes yeah, I, well, that's, that's your call yeah, isn't it that's it yeah and there's a nice but uh, sometimes i i i read like two two pages and i'm already sated sometimes i'll read like uh, uh, quite a lot and be and be uh, very thrilled and sometimes i'll even follow up with a few like if i want you know 
to find yeah, out that's nice. the site because yeah. they, usually they have links to the sites and things like I that. I do try. So yeah, and it's yeah. quite often some sometimes I get really nice messages from people saying, "Oh, oh, just to let you know, I've sold my book to this collection because I saw it in the newsletter, yeah. or just to let you know, I've been invited to be in this exhibition because someone saw my work." So that's lovely to to get that kind of feedback because normally it's like, "Oh, you spot my name wrong or something." <laughs> that's it. That's it. So uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I before I read my note of praise that I like to do? <laughs> um, only that the newsletter goes out, but also people should feel free to send stuff in. Right. So if they've got any news about their artist books, you know, any exhibitions or new things they want to tell anyone about or a little report they want to write about stuff they've done or a group they're forming, then just email me because that can go in. And also that's the kind of stuff that can go into the yearbook as well. So the more people, the more people share, the bigger we are. Yes, the solidarity. We are, solidarity. The we are. <laughs> solidarity in numbers and uh, apologies. Yeah, exactly. You know that that field only grows with the people in it. So yeah, don't don't be shy of sharing info. I'd say, and I think that that's what I found most of all in the the kind of community I work within is that people are really generous with information. Um, very usually very willing to kind of pass that on or you know, talk to someone or give people advice. So I think that's, it's nice to be part of that community, I think. It is, it is. I agree. Well, this is, this is one of the subjects of the, an ongoing thread in this podcast is a community. So, um, and Duende, which I feel like we had here too, the idea of Lorca's Duende, which is, you know, he's sort of creating in the, in the sort of urgency of, of uh, knowing that uh, life could end at any moment is one interpretation that I've, I've made it. We feel that more and more. So I feel like we've got that. Uh, we've got that here in, in uh, you know, in just in bunches. So it's terrific. Cool. Great. Some and of this join board book night, twenty twenty four. All right. We'll make sure that they have access to that as well. So yeah. the, some of this, some of this note of praise repeats what we've already talked about. But I, I feel like you can't say these things enough. So I don't mind it. <laughs> Both in Sarah Bodman's books and other activities, there is such a great spirit of community engagement and play. There are artist books such as Dinner and a Rose, a collaborative work made with Nancy Campbell that responds to Patricia Highsmith's The Talented Mr. Ripley. And in quotes, Sarah prepared a delicious, if sinister, dinner for 12 guests with a 13th place set for the absent Tom Ripley. Every food mentioned by Highsmith was served from cold chicken and aspic to Sol Veronique and every drink mixed, even Dubonnet. The dinner lasted over 12 hours. All the night's conversations were recorded and Nancy used the transcriptions as collage material, creating a series of 18 poems. Sarah photographed Ripley's uh, settings for each course. Images and poems partner each other in the finished work. And this is, to me, an example of creativity that will not be confined to any uh, kind of conventional thinking about what a book can be or what can be depicted. Like that sort of blows me away, the, that sort of and then to take another example, some small good things, a collaborative video made to commemorate World Book Night. Each year, a group of us collaborates on a tribute event for World Book Night. Some small good things was a tribute to Raymond Carver's collection of stories, Cathedral, from 1983, some of which were used as a basis for Robert Altman's film Shortcuts from 1993. In yeah. particular, we chose the story A Small Good Thing as the starting point for this year's collaboration. And Open Call, this website, invited people to do a small good thing, write it out and send it to us. All contributor contributions were received by midnight on 22nd of April. So they, they by, <laughs> see. that's cutting it close. Uh, on World Book Night, we made a lo-fi video in a very homemade style of the original film clip for Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homestick Blues. 
using these those small good things. The music was written and played by Simon Butler and Simon Smith. Again, so much creativity, engagement with the arts community and spirit here. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally bouncing up and down when I'm reading these. And then we get to the book arts newsletter, which is to read the book arts newsletter is to be joyously immersed in a world of energetic, thoughtful and fascinating creativity. It's so satisfying to see that there are people all over the world engaged in art, artistic explorations of the planet, climate change, print technologies, connections between people, and so much more. The newsletter is a wide range is wide ranging, covering not only exhibitions but also book fairs, job opportunities, courses, lectures, and more. There are paragraphs with explanation on a particular topic and requests from artists to tag them on Instagram. As I said, so just just <laughs> glorious. Just I had to talk to you, Sarah, because I just had to had to get into all these interesting oh. things with you. It's just fascinating. So thank you for, for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, really thank you for inviting me as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So thank, thanks to Sarah for being on the show, to Charles Orr for processing, to Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro, and to you for listening and sharing the episodes, you audience for sharing the episodes. Stay tuned for the next episodes of the Small Machine Talks. Next up on our schedule is Shloka Shankar of Yavanika Press, and then David Naiman, host of my favorite podcast, Between the Covers. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.